When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the OG Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. He's Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Well, still the sky, but uh, I am on nights, so it's wonderful to be sitting here recording with you on an actual <laughs> Thursday, not Wednesday shh, night. Shh, you're, shh. you're ruining the illusion. Yeah, damn. I'm breaking that fourth wall. Uh, well, yes, it is Thursday. Uh, before we get rolling about the quarterback stuff and everything that happened at OTAs, please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. We're trying to get our star rating up, so please, please, please leave some reviews. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're so inclined, please support us by becoming a YouTube channel member. You get custom emojis, membership badges, and, of course, priority comment response. All right, Levin, let's get into it. The second media or OTA practice that's open to the media, I should say, is in the books. A lot was made of the quarterbacks yesterday. The stats were tweeted out. There were a lot of drop passes that would have kind of evened out the stats. But the general sort of consensus that I seemed to get was that Darnold looked a little better than Trey Lance. Okay. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's a single practice. I don't know what to make of it. And nobody, nobody else does. That that's the thing. Like, none of this matters. It would matter if like the media was there for an entire week, but this is one practice, one little window into the overall OTAs of the last two weeks. So it, it's not you're not able to judge. It's like judging a quarterback based off one game when you had the entire season. You can't do that. So it just it doesn't mean anything to me. I'm not going to read anything into any of this, and. It, it it makes matters worse. I believe there were only three defensive starters out there and supposedly both quarterbacks struggled. Both quarterbacks were just trying to dump it off because there's yep. nothing else available. Um, the I think the thing I would take most isn't the quarterbacks. It's the wide receivers. What the f- are you guys doing? You can't get open. And then there were four drops out of 24 passes. Four out of 24 attempts. 
you're literally dropping one sixth of all passes and you weren't getting open. So they were having to dump it off anyways. Like what is going on? Like I, I can't stand drops. And apparently from what I've seen written online, a lot of the drops were not on like bad throws on Darnold and Lance that they seemed to, most of the throws were pretty accurate. They were just dropped, um, which can be frustrating, but I, that's the, that's the grown up answer, right? It's a snapshot of one practice in a much larger practice window. And we can't really take anything away from it. That's not really what we do, especially at this time of year, because we're all clamoring. We need the film and the, the videos and we need to break it down. And what does this mean? And it's just so funny to me that there's such a disconnect between what's actually happening and the national media. Like the national media yesterday was talking about, oh, Sam Darnold took all the first team reps at OTAs. Like Kyle Shanahan literally told everybody last week that he was going to do that. Lance got the first team reps last week. This week, Sam Darnold was going to do it. He explained that that was going to happen. It did happen. And then the national media was like, oh my God, Sam Darnold. Like they don't even know what's going on with this team. They don't even know basic, basic stuff. This is why you have to follow us because we are going to tell you what's actually occurring. <laughs> It's uh, why I don't watch much national TV anymore. I don't, I'll be honest, I don't watch the ESPN shows anymore. I don't watch Fox Sports 1 shows because they have to fill the entire day's worth every single day. And there's not enough stuff going on, especially this time of year. You know, you got the NBA Finals and you got the doldrums of Major League Baseball where you still don't know who are the real teams and who aren't. And that's it. You don't have the NFL driving news. So they got to basically overreact to every little thing that there is. And I grew out of that sometime around the end of my college career. I could not stand it anymore. I can't stand that stuff. So I don't pay attention to it. The only thing I take for the national media are the newsbreakers because they occasionally do break news that the local media does not get. Right. And it's hilarious to me that like just the tiniest little bit of research would have told you not to freak out about that. But nope, that can't be done because we got to tweet it out and we got to put it out. We got to get content, content, content. Not, not I, a good. I, I can't wait for the, oh, Debo doesn't like Trey Lance. He showed up once Darnold took over for <laughs> oh, Yeah, Debo was actually at OTAs, which is uh, something that I was happy to see. Always good to have your uh, supposed leaders there at even the voluntary things because you set the tone for the rest of the team. The far more interesting parts of the day for me were afterwards when we got to hear from some of the players and coaches. Select players available in the auditorium always makes for an interesting day. I want to start with Drake Jackson, who gave like one of the most honest answers that I think I've ever heard a player give at the podium talking about the differences from last year to this year. It was one thing that I, I would say I changed from my rookie year to now is just being in here all day. You know, um, I'm starting to fall in love with just, you know, being in here on countless hours, you know, just in the tubs, in the training room, in the Goshki room, um, in the breathing room, you know, just trying to better myself. And I, I don't think I was doing that last year. Kind of just, I just wanted to get out or not want to get out, but I just kind of left after, you know, not really focusing on my body, I would say. So this year, definitely say I'm, you know, just really honing in and, you know, taking the time to focus on myself and my body and what I need to go out there and keep doing it all over and over again. 
you want to know why Drake Jackson fell off last year at the end of the year? Because this he wasn't doing that stuff. He was going home. He wasn't putting in the extra work on his body that you need. He literally laid it out there, and clearly now he's doing that. Yeah, congratulations. You're acting like a professional. <laughs> well, <to be laughs> I fair, mean, he wasn't a professional until last year. Right. So to me, this, this is why you were a second-round pick. You could have been a top-10 pick if you had acted this way. In college, you would have produced a heck of a lot more. You know what I mean? Like, we we all saw it, that he had a little bit of chubbiness to him last season. It was talked about during training camp in the preseason when he did that flip before he put on any of his jersey stuff so people really kind of saw his whole body. It It is what it is. I'm glad he's now taking it seriously. I hope he dominates and becomes what everybody's hoping he's going to be. But, yeah, I read that and it's, oh, yeah. You thought this was still college where you could just show up only at practice and games and succeed. Sorry, if you want to be a difference maker at the professional level, you need to eat, sleep, and literally be obsessed with football all day, every day, because that's what the best players do. That's what it takes. And if you're not going to be willing to do it, then you're just not going to be a special player in the NFL. You can still have a decent career. I'm sure there are people out there that have had, you know, 10-year careers that weren't obsessed with football. But if you want to be a true star, that's what it takes. I do love that in the press conference, he was doing kind of a Von Miller impression. You know, he had those big glasses. That's what it looked like to me. It was like, wow, that's like a Von Miller look there. Hey, I hope he plays half as good as Von Miller. No, but you're right. Like, he probably was good enough in college to just hit the practice hard and and train and, you know, do the normal workout stuff and be productive. That ain't the case in the NFL. And this is why we usually see players make such a big jump from year one to year two. They don't Brandon Ayuk. Well, they don't realize what it takes at this level. They don't realize that. Even though they've always been the best player on the field up until now, that's not the case anymore. And so that's a, there's a fork in the road there. Are you going to continue to do the things you've done and just say, hey, whatever happens, happens? Or are you going to step it up and evolve and try and take your game to the next level? And I think part of this is probably like he looks over at Nick Bosa and sees everything Nick Bosa does. And that probably has an effect on him. And I love that Drake's doing it now. I love that he admitted it also, by the way, really cool. Like just a really informative answer. And hopefully it pays off because he started out with three sacks in his first five games that he took defensive snaps. So like, obviously there's talent there. And if he's putting in the work now, hopefully, you know, he can sustain that. And this defense desperately needs that. I would love to know who's his like kind of mentor. Because you would think with like him talking about putting in the work and all that, it would be Nick Boza. But he said he's doing it at the facility, that he's coming to the facility. Nick Boza doesn't do that. He goes and does his own thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, who is the mentor? Or is this all self-driven? Is this like Eric Armstead grabbing him and saying, hey, kid, this is what it's going to take and being there with him? Or or what is it? I I would love to know who his mentor is or if this is all just like self-motivation. Not that that matters at all. Just a curiosity point of who, who's the person that's kind of being the leader there and saying, Hey, you could be a difference maker for us. Or is there somebody doing that? I would put a good amount of money on Armstead. He seems like that kind of a player and he gets that, that he has that role with the team. Uh, Drake also said yesterday that Chris Kosarek basically has been on him all off season, you know? So that, that's a huge part of it. Kosarek is a freaking madman. man. <laughs> I love that dude. 
but hopefully it comes through for Drake because they really need him. They're putting a lot of faith in him. They haven't signed. I mean, there are veteran pass rushers. I know you're still on the Justin Houston train. There are guys out there that could be had for probably not a lot of money, and the Niners have money if they want to spend it, and they haven't done that. So they're kind of putting some pressure on Drake. Like, hey, we expect you to step up, and we are we don't really have a backup plan. Yeah, and speaking of that pass rusher, it was actually uh, Jason Aponte on the Bully Ball podcast that said something that was like, I hadn't thought about that. You know, he's talking about the money that the 49ers have, that they currently have about $10 million. Once they do the Boza deal, They'll probably have a little bit more. So they do have money that they could spend and actually get a pretty high level player that's still out there if they wanted. But the thing that he mentioned was that they could roll it over and use it towards Brandon Ayuk. So maybe that's their plan is that they're confident in Drake Jackson. They don't need to sign a pass rusher. And thus all that money that they have, they're actually looking at it and saying, if we roll this over, we'll be able to spend it on Brandon Ayuk next offseason. That's part of the calculus, right? That's part of the benefit of, number one, having Brock on literally the cheapest contract any quarterback can have allowable by the CBA. (laughs) And also, if you have young players that play up to that level where you can get, you know, veteran elite production at rookie contract cost, that's the surplus there lets you do stuff like paying Brandon Ayuk when you're already paying Debo Samuel at the top of the market. So that's the benefit of all of it. That's part of the reason why the 49ers are so obsessed with having a quarterback on a rookie contract because they recognize that and they want to be able to take advantage of those things. We've never seen this before, 11. We've never seen a team that potentially could have a quarterback making this little amount of money. The closest we saw was the Cowboys with Dak Prescott He was a fourth round pick. This is literally the last pick of the entire draft. No rookie drafted that year is going to make less money than Brock Purdy. The advantage that the 49ers would have if he's as good as they think he is and if he can develop into a franchise quarterback, the advantage they would have over everybody else in the league would be substantial. That's the uh, catch 22 here. Can he be the true franchise quarterback? If he can... You move on from Trey Lance and you get a much cheaper quarterback room because Trey Lance is currently the only one that is semi-expensive and it's still, I mean, Trey Lance is making backup money. It, the reality of the quarterback position is $10 million is a backup quarterback yeah. the, these days. Um, but yeah, if any of these quarterbacks can be a difference maker, it'd be great. Uh, like I said in a previous show, if Trey Lance can emerge and be the true franchise quarterback, he would be a free agent at the same time as Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy was drafted one year later, but he's not a first round pick like Trey Lance is. So the 49ers would have a semi affordable fifth year option with Trey Lance. If he was to emerge either, I guess it would have to be this year because they have to make that decision after this season. Right. So either way they're set up to have multiple years of a cheap quarterback. If one of these quarterbacks can emerge this season, obviously the one that doesn't have that is Sam Darnold. Because if Sam Darnold somehow shocks all of us and becomes a true franchise quarterback and they want to re-sign him, it happens immediately because he has a one-year deal. So if he has a Geno Smith-level resurgence all of a sudden, you're looking at a $40 million a year Sam Darnold. He would have to be pretty damn special for you to <laughs> want to spend that. You'd have to reach levels he's never reached or come anywhere close to reaching in his career. So I'm not exactly sweating that one out. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Did you see John Lynch told, I believe it was Sirius XM, that Brock Purdy had his first throwing session, that they're super encouraged by everything that's gone on? John, John, just stop. Stop talking about the... Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's great that Brock had a throwing session that everything seemed to go well. That's awesome. But we still have no idea. We don't need to get the updates like that again and again and again. They got to stop. They're setting and they're putting pressure on Brock to come back for week one. That's just unnecessary. I I think the full quote there from John Lynch was a change in tune. Because the full quote, he goes on about like, they don't actually know. They're never going to play him unless he's 100% healthy, that there's no pressure. And we're going to just be uh, taking each milestone at a time or something like that. I can't remember the exact word he used, but it seemed to me like, uh, Brock Purdy and his team got to John Lynch because we've seen Shanahan and Lynch pump this up. Oh, we really think training camp. We really think training camp. And this time, he, yes, he said it was very encouraging, but he went on to say, we're just going to take it one step at a time. We're going to see what he's at. We're never going to pressure him to play before he's 100% healthy and all of that. So I, I feel like there was a little bit of a change in tune there. Yeah, we'll see. You know, we've seen the 49ers give lip service to the idea of not rushing guys back, and then they end up rushing guys back. He is ahead of schedule, though. So that ended up being true because, you know, you're supposed to start throwing 12 weeks after surgery. 12 weeks would be tomorrow, the second, and he threw two days prior to that. So he's a tiny bit ahead of schedule. I suppose. I mean, 12 weeks, yeah, it's not exactly to the day. So if you want to be extra positive, you could say that. Lynch said, we went back and studied it. Brock played at a high, high level. Not only played within the system, he made a lot of plays outside of the system by extending plays. So basically like, hey, we scouted this guy to check if he was a flash in the pan or not, and we believe in it. And that, again, that scares me because we've seen guys play well for limited windows in this offense. For example, if you're watching on YouTube right now, you can see the graphic I just put on the screen. Brock had five starts in the regular season with the Niners. Jimmy had five starts at the end of 2017. Jimmy threw for more, three over 300 yards a game. He threw for 8.8 yards per attempt. Brock Purdy, 8.8 yards per attempt. Now, Brock only threw for 219 yards a game, but he also had a much better touchdown to interception ratio. Brock was 11 touchdowns to two interceptions. Jimmy was seven touchdowns to five interceptions. But I would argue, Levin, that Brock actually had some good luck in that department and a couple interceptions of his were dropped. Yeah. I mean, it's all going to depend. If you look at it from a standpoint of 
Brock Purdy was a rookie, and the way he played as a rookie was so great, so he should get better, you know, because he was a rookie, then, yeah, he looked like a true franchise quarterback because he played as well as any rookie we've seen play pretty much ever. I mean, it was a more limited window. You saw other quarterbacks get more attempts, so people like Herbert, had you know the friend had the NFL record for most yards as a rookie because he played more games and Purdy wasn't at the level where he was passing for 300 yards a game, but in terms of touchdowns, having multiple touchdowns every single game, Purdy was phenomenal for a rookie. Everything you could hope for. The question is, can he progress and get better? Because even though he was really good last year. Like you said, there was a good bit of luck. There were flat-out dropped interceptions to where I, I wouldn't say he played at a level that is, that guy's a finished product. He's good enough right now to be a franchise, no question, starter, maybe a top-10 quarterback, which to me, to be, I'm 100% satisfied. I'm not looking for any replacements. Franchise quarterback, you need to be a top-10 quarterback in this league. If you're any anything outside the top 10, I'm going to kick the tires on certain people. And that's where I think Jimmy Garoppolo fell into. Jimmy Garoppolo was like a top 12 to 15 quarterback for most of his time with the 49ers, and the Niners were kicking tires. The question is whether or not Purdy can be better than he was last year and improve, or because he had so much experience in college and he has this unique, I would say, ability mentally to just this is the situation. I'm not going to be phased by it whatsoever. That there weren't kind of those mental mistakes that rookies go through normally. And thus, he may not grow any better than what he was. Because I, I do think, in a lot of ways, mentally, he was like a veteran in ways that you didn't see with others. And we're going to have to wait and see. That's But that is the thing that scares me. He could play well enough to not get replaced, but not so well that you don't want an improvement. Lynch's full quote, by the way, we are not going to put Brock in a situation where he's not fully healed. That means not just get back, but get back and get in reps under your belt. That's essentially what Brock kind of pushed back with when mm -hmm. he talked about whether or not he'll be ready for week one. It's essentially like week one is not the goal. The goal is when I'm ready to come back, I'm ready to come back and and return to performance, as Stefania Bell put it with Steph Sanchez. Uh, so we'll see. Hopefully he will. But the first little bit of news we got from the throwing sessions was good, even though I still think that like it doesn't serve Lynch or the 49ers well to keep giving those kind of updates like that. Right. It certainly seems like either they got talked to where somebody from Purdy's camp was like, hey, can you cut this out? Or they just saw kind of the reaction that they kept getting from people like us and other media members and just fans in general that, why do you guys keep pushing this timeline? Just let him heal. And they're like, okay, let's change our tune and start matching what Purdy is saying so that we're all in unison. Going back to the press conferences yesterday, you and I disagreed about this a little before the show, so I think we should get into it. One other revealing comment that I heard was Chris Forster, who's the offensive line coach and the run game coordinator for the team. He talked about how much all of the coaching staff changes messed with the 49ers process behind the scenes. And remember, just about every member of the coaching staff either was in a new position or was new to the team altogether. Kyle Shanahan skipped the combine to, to help the coaches learn the scheme. It was a big deal. We talked about it. I know it was a big deal for me. I thought it was going to have an effect on the team. 
Here's Forster yesterday talking about it. It's long, but it's good. Bear with us. Last year, you're, you're right. We had, even me, I'd been the line coach here before, but I had to move into that run game coordinator, whatever that is. But I had, I had more to do, I had a little bit more to do than I had to do the year before. And, uh, and, and, and then everybody else was brand new in their position. So you're right. It did take a while for, for Kyle to adjust because he's had Mike McDaniel forever. And, and all these guys had been on the staff. And all of a sudden, boom, they're all gone. And, and it did take some time. And that's not an excuse for how we played in the first part of the season. We could have won all those games, but it would have gone the same way. We, there was still an adjustment as far as the workflow, who does what for Kyle, who prepares these tapes. Uh, because for years, they'd been done by certain people. And all of a sudden, it changed. And who was going to fill those fill that role? He had Greasy for the first time as a quarterback coach so this year I think we kind of know where, where we're going and I think uh, with 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 Clint filling in for Bobby kind of just doing the same thing I think we've got a real good flow right now I think when we get to the season we shouldn't be too far off of where we would from from say like you said the midpoint of the season whenever we kind of start to get our stride as far as how everybody's role was going to fill out I mean shoot um, you know Brian uh, Brian Flurry and I I mean uh, we Brian was a part of the run game early, uh, but then we came to realize just the marriage that he and I could work together because to, he sits in more with Kyle for the past game formations, things like that. So he and I, um, cre we created together much more and he was much more integral part of formationing and motioning and adjusting those types of things. I'm like, you know, I'm still a line coach at heart in a lot of ways. I mean, yes, schematically how we're going to do things, but I'm looking at what's best for the line, the runner, the, the angles and things like that. And then they're going to dress it up. And Brian, as the year went on, took on more of that role. I think everybody did. Shoot, Clay Kubiak created this tape for Kyle on Fridays that was outstanding. And it was and it was probably as good as it's ever been, uh, understanding what we needed to get done. So it's been, it's been really cool to watch the guys and how everybody's worked together and grown in their roles. Holy sh**. Is that Jesse Ventura? <laughs> yeah, he did kind of sound like Jeez. that. All the time I'm listening, I'm going, that sounds like Jesse Ventura. No, uh, so one uh, one other thing before we actually get into what he said, you better be taking a cut of what you said just before you played the quote and pairing it together with the now infamous Vish quote. It's long, but it's good. And then I'm going to need the Vish squirting audio right after. <laughs> I really enjoy the size and I enjoy the squirting. I always have that Vish those, audio. Those two go to great together. <laughs> long, but it's good. That's, that's what they tell me. Um, no, what he said what we disagreed on is he can say that all he wants and there to a certain degree that might be true but something else also happened towards the middle of the season that changed everything they got christian mccaffrey so you can say oh everybody had to learn their roles and it just took time for all the coaches to get onto the same page but the truth is no you got a true nfl mvp level running back that changed the game for you but why can't it be both? Why does it have to be one or the other? Why can't fixing the process behind the scenes help be the reason that they maximized the output of Christian McCaffrey? Because I really do think that matters. They had to get their crap together behind the scenes. It There's a whole process that has to take place every single week that just repeats every single week about game planning and putting the tapes together and how Kyle Shanahan is able to scheme up all these things. That doesn't just happen. It happens as a result of this process and the Niners had to figure theirs out last year. Yeah, like I said, that could have happened to a degree, but we know what the true catalyst was. You can say that the coach is figuring it out had some degree of an effect but a large majority of the effect was getting an mvp level running back that unlocks everything and makes everything else easier in this offense including 
the deep passes. Because when Christian McCaffrey comes out of that backfield, you better be paying attention to him. And thus, the coverage has to come down some. And it opens up the deeper. It opens up the middle of the field, I think, in the intermediate especially, which is why you saw IU kind of take off because that's his bread and butter. To me, it's a little bit BS because the real difference maker was you got a running back who can do everything and made everything easier. And then that made you guys look good. That made it look like you guys really knew what you were doing when in reality it was, you had a player good enough to make everything work. Well, no one's denying the, that Christian McCaffrey had a positive effect on the 49ers. My argument is that because they had their process together behind the scenes, when Christian McCaffrey arrived, that's how they knew how to be able to use him and how he would affect the defense and where to use him to hurt the defense the most. It's a, it's a hand-in-glove situation. They're compliments. They're not substitutes. That may be true. We d- won't know. There's no way to know for sure. I'm trying to be your friend here. You're trying to argue with me. Why can't we just be friends, Levin? You're the one that decided this has to be a topic. I think it's interesting. Who introduced the topic? Hey, I want to... What, how did you actually introduce it? You said, hey, we talked about this a little bit before the show and we were arguing, so I want to talk about it more. Don't come to me and say I'm the one looking for an argument. Well, I, you happen to disagree with me. That's why we're arguing. Accept the blame, Rob. You are the engineer of this show. I'm the hired talent. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to get money to be hired, don't you? I'm the volunteering talent. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, that's where we are. But I'm, I'm, I thought that was interesting. Uh, the Niners still have had some shuffling with the coaching staff, but the primary pieces are in place now, so they won't have that. So that'll be uh, hopefully something to their benefit. But I just thought that was interesting. And if, if actually, like, if you're ever bored, I know it doesn't sound logical, but go listen to all of Chris Forster's press conferences. Cause that dude just gets up there and talks, man. And he just says stuff and he reveals like stuff about the team that I think is hilarious. Like even in the beginning of the clip, he's like, yeah, I was the run game coordinator, whatever that is. Like <laughs> he doesn't even know he's fascinating. I love it. I guess time's going to tell because if they start out the season slow again, then we know, no, there is something legitimate to, I would say at that point, Kyle Shanahan doesn't know what to do until he gets film on what the defenses are doing and he knows how to attack their weaknesses. If they start out hot, then maybe it adds a little bit of credence to what he said. Because they really other than the defensive coaching staff, the offensive coaching staff is the same. So there's no excuses for the offense. I would agree with that. Um I mean, Bobby Slowick left, but that's only one piece that you really had to replace and everything else seems to be there. But they got to get off to a fast start. I mean, Pittsburgh in week one is not going to be easy. They should win, but it's not going to be easy. But then you got the Rams, the Giants, the Cardinals. Like those are all very, very winnable games before you get to the Dallas game in week five. So there really should be no excuse for a slow start this year, but as we've seen, I mean, the Niners literally lost to the worst team in the NFL last year in week one. So we'll find out. Nobody's actually mentioned it. And if I ever get the time, I was planning on writing an article for our website about it. Goldstandardniners.com. Please go <laughs> check it out. Goldstandardniners.com. If you uh, remember last year, Kyle Shanahan lamented about the preseason schedule and how they had this massive break prior yes. to week one. They have it again. They play on the 25th. Do they really? Yes, they play on the 25th and then not until the 10th. So they have like 16, 17 days off prior between the last preseason game and week one. 
And I think that that could have an effect where they're going to come out flat because they literally haven't matched up against another team in so long. I would love to see them actually schedule some more practices against like maybe the Chargers down and go to LA or them come to San Francisco in that gap if they can, because it's such a long break without going against any other team. So it's Friday, uh, the 25th. Now, remember, there's always a dead week now between the regular season, the last preseason game and the start of the regular season, because there used to be four preseason games. Now there's only three. They left that dead week in there. So there is always going to be some gap. I'm checking right now. The the latest the 49ers could have played their final preseason game is the 27th of August. That's Sunday. There's only one preseason game that day, Uh, but that's the latest. Almost everybody's going to go either Friday or Saturday. So it's not, you know, I'm not really sure how much bigger of a gap the 49ers have than everybody else, but I know that Kyle didn't like it last year. You're right. Right. So I haven't seen that. I want to go back and look. I can't remember exactly how long it was. I remember it was almost three weeks. I can't remember exactly what it was. And I wanted to re-see what Shanahan said exactly to see if it is indeed like relevant to this because I do think that that's a long time and to have that long of a break and then turn around and end up having to go all the way across the country is a big deal. The Steelers, by the way, their last preseason game is actually even earlier. It's on the 24th. Good. Hope it messes with them too. Um, but yeah, that was a thing for Kyle last year. He, I mean, he's not happy. He's never happy. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Even yesterday's OTA, Levin, apparently Kyle Shanahan got into a shouting match with Dwayne Allen, who used to play tight end in the league and is now uh, works for the Players Association. He was there. I don't know if he was a guest of ownership. I don't know why he was there or if he was just there in some capacity for the Players Union. But apparently there was some rough play on the field, some physical play from Diamondor Lenore, and you're not allowed to do that now. That is against the league does not or the players union does not want contact between guys. That's not what these are for. So I guess Dwayne Allen had some comments after that. And Shanahan apparently blew up on him. Grant Cohn reported that they he thought they were going to fight. That's how bad it was. For the record, Matt Mayoko reported it as two men having words. Do with that what you will. But Shanahan blew up at Dwayne Allen. I don't blame him if that's the situation. Like, listen here. You are here basically as a guest. Like, you're an NFL PA rep. Your job is not to police. Your job is not to referee. Your job is not to step in and affect practice. So if 
some some player makes a hard hit and they're not supposed to, that's on the player, but it is not Dwayne Allen's place to step into some team's practice and say, cut it out. So I don't blame the head coach for saying, get the hell out of here or whatever he ended up saying. I haven't seen an actual like people giving a play-by-play of exactly yeah. what it was, but Dwayne Allen was out of, out of uh, place. He should not have stepped in in that situation. It is not his role. It, he doesn't have the authority to do that. And he is stepping into a team's official practice. So you are not supposed to do that. That's not okay. Well, I don't know about that, though. Isn't that what your union is supposed to protect you against? Your employer doing yeah, things? Yeah, so you file a report. You don't step in in the moment and say, cut that out, where you could be affecting the whole mood of the practice and how how well people are going because you might see the whole team just kind of shut it down and half-ass it from the rest of the practice because the NFL PA is now watching. You yeah, don't but want some outside source affecting your practice. The NFL PA would say i think that hey it's more important that we stop this physical contact from happening we're here to protect the health of the players we don't care if it disrupts your practice you're not supposed to be doing it anyway regardless the point is not whether Dwayne allen was right or wrong the point is that kyle shanahan got into a screaming match with this dude now apparently again according to mayoko and others they worked it out afterwards they spoke they cleared the air whatever but like is it a great look for Shanahan to friggin' blow his stack on May 31st in practice? Yes. <laughs> We're you talking are... about football here. We're talking about sports. Having a coach be that passionate does inspire a team. That does have an effect. When your coach is so passionate, he's going to get after the NFL PA coming onto his field. That does drive you. Like, if he cares that much, so am I. It's part of the whole mental aspect of sports. Yes, your coach blowing up on somebody that's not part of the team. You know, I don't think you get inspired when your coach berates a, a teammate because then you're feeling like us first them. But when he goes against somebody that's a complete third party, is hell yeah, let's get him. You know, it creates like a gang atmosphere. I do think it's a good thing. You do want your coach practicing or protecting the kind of sanctity of practice if somebody's going to come in and disturb our practice that doesn't have that authority isn't part of the team you want your coach going and saying get the hell out of here or, or else you want him being that aggressive i don't know it was apparently it was like a prolonged thing kawakami said it like it wasn't over in a second like it, it lasted a little while because i'm sure Dwayne allen was like i'm not going to get yelled at by this tiny little man i played in the league i'm 6'4 260 at least he was when he played like Dude, you can't just come on. Like, what are you going to do, Kyle? Throw your clipboard at me? <laughs> going to send Trent Williams over there to choke slam him. Well, <laughs> if Trent enters the fray, then I am running away quite, quite quickly. Trent's not uh, actually there, if I'm not mistaken. But Yeah, I think that's – if he's there, I don't know that he was even doing anything. But uh, anyway, that was just a weird thing that happened, and I thought that there was a considerable difference between how some on the 49ers beat reported the incident and how Matt Mayoko – reported the incident who of course i have accused of being a shill for the team basically and you know always framing things in the most team-friendly way possible and he happened to do that with this story yesterday one more thing before we go and this goes back to the quarterbacks but i forgot to get to it earlier so i'll get to it now and now like most things with the quarterbacks love and it all started with a tweet from david lombardi everyone's favorite 49ers source for quarterback news 
he tweeted uh, responding to someone talking about Bill Walsh. The original tweet was, Bill Walsh's great discovery was a decreasing air yards, increased completion percentage, first down conversion rate, yards per attempt, points per drive, and quarterback rating. Spread the gospel to my fellow West Coast offense acolytes. Well, Lombardi quote tweeted that and said, shorter throws are also often more difficult than longer ones because correct timing is such a major component to set up yards after catch. We all know Lombardi loves yards after catch. Well, this started a whole storm on 49ers Twitter that is still raging to this day, to this very minute, Levin. Where do you come down on the shorter throws or harder than longer throws argument? <laughs> Imagine this. I'm going to take a middle position. Oh, no, they are not more difficult in the sense of completing and being successful because the defense wants to keep everything in front of them. You know, that is a key part of the of the defensive strategy. Keep everything in front of you. Now, shorter throws are long throws timing. No, they're, hey, look, that guy's open. So there's no, the wide receiver and the quarterback have to be on the exact same page and get the perfect timing. You know, Peyton Manning ran a timing offense. Everything for Peyton Manning was timing. It was predetermined. You're going to be at this spot two seconds after the snap. You're going to be here three seconds after the snap, so on and so forth. That's actually why he threw a pick six, by the way, in the Super Bowl against the Saints. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was Tracy Porter intercepted it, and it's because they they were running the same short slant that was their bread and butter to Reggie Wayne that was on a timing route. So he knew exactly where to be because they had already run it in front of him in that game. And he knew exactly where the ball was going to be because it's a timing offense. That is a little more difficult in, in terms of getting the quarterback and the wide receiver to be speaking the same language. It takes a lot of reps to be able to get that timing done. The 49ers don't really run those routes. That's the thing. The Niners short passing are screens uh, their dump offs to the running back, especially with Christian McCaffrey here, they don't run a ton of timing slant routes and things like that. They do run it some, but a lot of, I would say their timing routes are intermediate routes. When you get the, you know, 10, 15 yards down the field out route, that is one of the things that they like to run. That's a timing route because you got to time the cut, but it, because it's longer, the quarterback can see you and know when you're, you know, can predict when you're going to make the cut and anticipate the throw. When it's a short route, there's not enough time. The quarterback's still on their backpedal when you make your cut. You know, and that's why it's more of a timing route. To me, I get where he's saying, but I think he's purposely just trying to be David Lombardi, trying to be the <laughs> spreadsheet, trying to get, you know, a reaction by saying something uh, controversial. I mean, look how short that tweet is. He could have added context there. He chose not They're to. Both they're both hard. They're hard for different reasons, right? The time, the shorter timing routes are hard because you got to make a throw usually in traffic at a, at a certain time, no matter what essentially is going on around you. That can be very difficult. The deeper throws are harder because the damn receiver is farther away. It's harder to throw the ball deeper down the field in the right spot in stride with players to get them to, you know, maximize their play. They're both hard, but I, the frustrating thing I think that for a lot of people is like, there's this because of things that David Lombardi has said in the past, there's kind of this tie to shorter throws are hard. That's why Jimmy Garoppolo was really good. That's why I've been right about it. That's why Brock Purdy is a better quarterback than Trey Lance, because everybody thinks that, you know, Lance is better at pushing the ball down the field than he has been. So I think it's all sort of tied together with this with Lombardi. 
it's just amazing to me how he is about the quarterback. I love all the stuff David Lombardi writes and talks about that's not quarterback related. Anything about the quarterback, he's divorced from reality. Like he doesn't live on planet Earth. And I don't know how that could be. Because he doesn't want to. I guess. He's got a stick. It's gotten him clicks. It's gotten him followers. We know what it is. Everybody knows what it is. Kudos to him. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's just a weird thing. Weird debate that I didn't think we were going to have, but whatever. People are talking about it, you know, so we should be talking about it. Uh, so that's my official stance. You They're don't both- sit and watch the games and go, whoa, look at that five-yard pass. Woo! <laughs> Look at that dump off to the running back. Look at that time. That is such a high level throw. I mean, the whole point of Shanahan's offense is that he provide he makes the throws easy, right? That the throws are defined and wide open for guys. I thought the point of his offense was to score points. But there was a graphic that popped up. Uh, I think it was from January, but it it was a a uh, graphic from Next Gen Stats, and it said basically the 49ers quarterbacks. Garoppolo and Purdy have had more wide open throw or, or excuse me, the highest expected completion percentage of any quarterbacks in the league. It was Jimmy and Brock, which means Kyle's dialing up easy throws. Imagine that. It's almost like everybody <laughs> knew that. And that's what got him a head coaching job. <laughs> yeah. It's just a weird. I, see, that's why, like, sometimes these quarterback debates online are just very, very strange. Here's the actual tweet uh, for those watching on the stream. Next-gen stats. The Niners were able to transition from Jimmy to Brock in part because the offense creates easy throwing windows. No quarterback had a higher expected completion percentage than Garoppolo, 69.3, or Purdy, 69.0, in the regular season. It goes Jimmy, Brock, Stafford, Brady, and Goff. That's the list, which is also why, Levin, I think it's very hard to determine based on Brock's play, whether or not he can be a franchise quarterback because so many of the throws were set up by the system. I mean, it, it is what it is. If the quarterback can execute the offense, I don't care why people are getting open and why the pass is complete. If they can execute the offense, more power to them. That's what I want to see. Execute the offense. And when things break down, can you make something happen every once in a while? You know, no quarterback's perfect, but that's why I said if Brock Purdy can be Jimmy Garoppolo plus an escapability to where when the pass rush gets to him, he gets out of it and makes something out of nothing, which is what we saw last year, then to me, that's good enough to where you're never going to move off of him. And I would argue that at that point, he probably does enter the top 10 of quarterbacks. If you can be Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of efficiency, and turn would-be sacks that Jimmy Garoppolo always got sacked on (laughs) into something positive every so often, whether it's a scramble or a completion, that is enough for this offense to average 30 points per game. And that's all you need. A scramble or just an incompletion, like just avoid the sack. Throw it away, Jimmy. Right, which is mind-boggling to me that he still never throws it away. Although, let's be honest, Jimmy Garoppolo's got his own set of problems in Las Vegas, he may never play a snap for the Raiders because of how his injury was handled. The Niners coaching staff apparently told him he didn't need to get surgery. So Jimmy didn't get surgery. And then when he had his physical with the Raiders, he failed it because they were like, dude, you need surgery. Yeah. So I know you're a little hesitant to go into this, but 
I do think that there is a possibility. We don't know the details of exactly what was told to Jimmy when the injury first happened. But I do think there's a possibility that if this falls through and Jimmy loses his Raiders contract, that you could see a Jimmy Garoppolo sues the 49ers for, you could call it malpractice or or negligence. Um, But they seem to have misdiagnosed this injury. And I went back and looked at some of the things that were said at the time that the injury happened. You had Kyle Shanahan at the time saying that we caught a break. It's not a Liz Frank injury like we thought. He doesn't need surgery and that there's a possibility he comes back in the playoffs. Now, if you go look at what the actual injury turned out to be, which is a metatarsal injury, there are three different types of breaks on the metatarsal, which from what I read, the metatarsal connects your ankle to your pinky bone. So it's kind of an important part. And it's also an extremely common injury. But what happens is... No, I think the metatarsal, like there's... Those are your toes, right? First metatarsal, second metatarsal. I thought Jimmy's the was the, meta, the metatarsal that connects your ankle to your pinky bone. So it's considered a toe injury, but it does come up and connect to your ankle. But I thought Jimmy's injury was the second metatarsal, which would be the, the long toe. I thought it was the fifth. One of the toes. Either way, the metatarsal injury, and this is for all metatarsals, they have three different style types of breaks. The one break, which is by far the most common, does not require surgery, and it's a seven to eight week window. So that, to me, is what the Niners thought. Now, the problem that I run into is you have, you have an article from that time from Eric Branch where he talked to a, a Dr. David Lee, who was the chair of an orthopedic foot and ankle uh, doctor, who said that it seems to me like it's a metatarsal injury and I would be shocked if it doesn't require surgery. Or I think he said it probably requires surgery because watching the injury, there was so much twisting. And the fact that they thought that it was a Liz Frank injury initially tells me that some of those ligaments dealing with the Liz Frank could have gotten sprained or injured. And when that happens, it normally takes surgery to repair, which then would have a three month timeline. So to me, you got to start looking at, and like I said, it depends on exactly what they told Jimmy in the moment, the doctors for the 49ers. It seems like there may be a possibility here where the team purposely thought, well, if he has the surgery, he's done. He's never going to help us. But if he doesn't have the surgery, yeah, it might screw him down the road if he ends up needing the surgery, but it keeps open the possibility that he might be able to come and save us in the playoffs. And I feel like that that could end up being either a malpractice or a negligence. But it does seem like they at least saw a fracture sitting there, which was what initially got me looking. It's like, how do you miss a fracture, right? But it turns out you could not need surgery for this type of fracture and it would heal on its own. So there's a lot there. First of all, we don't know what Jimmy was told. We don't know, like, ultimately, I think every player should go into this thinking I am responsible for my own health more than anybody else. The only one looking out for me is me. You just have to assume that honestly in life, let alone not just that's playing what shocks me, because the last off season, that's what he did. He said, screw you guys. I'm getting surgery. <laughs> well, there wasn't a trade, <laughs> you know, there was a trade there at the time that may have been part of that, but we don't know, you know, I don't know in terms of lawsuits, like, you know, he was free at any time to seek a second opinion, you know, so it's hard then to go he would back. Have to, he would have to prove that the 49ers doctors knew it was 
something more and needed surgery and purposely didn't do it in right. the team's like, interest. Who the hell, how could you ever even right. prove I'm that? Just, I wouldn't be shocked to see a lawsuit filed if he ends up not being able to get healthy and is released by the Raiders. So they, the Raiders eliminated his entire signing bonus. Uh, they turned it into salary so they can cut him at any time and not owe him any money if they want to. Uh, I don't know that they will, but that like this was that big of a deal. Like teams right. do not do this. And by the way, players don't agree to this unless they have no other choice, right? Like Jimmy's not just going to voluntarily give that money back or move that money around. So it was a thing. But it, I keep saying that's why Brock needs to do what's best for Brock. That's right. why he needs to follow his own doctor, get his own opinions, all of that stuff, and do- and not listen to the team if they say, we need you back week one, but you don't feel ready. If you feel ready and you're good, great. Come back week one. But if there's any doubt or anything like that, you have to do what's best for you. If I'm a 49ers player, I'm just going to be honest. I would not even go to the 49ers doctors. I'd say, <laughs> screw you. I'm going to my own doctor because they have messed up over and over and over. This isn't the first time just for Jimmy Garoppolo that they've said you don't need surgery and then he ended up needing surgery. It's two years in a row they've done that. You have people like Kinlaw, whose knee never healed right, who has never been the same. You have people like Jalen Hurd, you know, which how much of the blame is to the doctors? I don't know. Well, but, we have no idea. Right. We have no idea. But there is a very strong track record here with this 49ers doctor team because they've replaced it. They've done a full overhaul multiple times in the last like 15, 20 years. But this team does have a very strong track record where if somebody gets a serious injury and never heals right. Or they also have a track record of saying you don't need surgery and then the player ended up needing surgery later. That's happened now multiple times. To me, if I was a player, I'd be saying, I don't give a crap what the team doctors say because I can't trust them. I'm going to my own doctor and I don't even want to see the Niners doctors. You have to be comfortable with your own medical situation. Everybody does, no matter what you do in life, in the NFL, whatever. And I agree. I would have, especially with an injury like Brock's that is, that did not, or uh, excuse me, a surgery like Brock's that did not exist a decade ago. So no, we're all in uncharted waters here. You have to be comfortable with your own thing. And the 49ers. This, this is the part that I really don't get. And I don't understand why there hasn't been a bigger deal on this. They would have known prior to the end of the season, prior to, you know, the NFC championship game, whether or not his foot was healing right. And we heard all the the talk about Shanahan and him had a falling out because Shanahan was hoping he would be able to play and Jimmy was refusing and mm-hmm. all these things. So why did it take till March to have the surgery? The injury, if it's going to heal on its own, is seven to eight weeks. Well, at the NFC championship game, you were at that seven to eight week window, which is why Shanahan was hoping he could play. So how did the doctors not look? reassess it look at it see how it's healing and go oh it's not healing you need surgery why did it take the raiders doctors to determine that in march there's a full two-month window there that jimmy garoppolo lost and why him being healthy at the start of season is now a question mark so that is that's the disconnect that i don't understand is how did the niners doctors not know at the four week five week six week seven week period before Jimmy Garoppolo's time as a Niner was done that, hey, this hasn't healed. You better go get surgery. Well, not only that, but just say, bring it to the Super Bowl, right? After the Super Bowl, hey, this thing still isn't right. Like, at that point, you got to think, like, something is clearly off. Let's do something about it. But no surgery was had. This could be on Jimmy because we do know 
that literally the next day after the NFC Championship game when the Niners were back in San Francisco and were doing exit interviews, Jimmy Garoppolo's locker was already empty. So maybe they had something scheduled and Jimmy said, I don't like you guys anyways. I don't trust your opinion. I'm leaving. And he didn't go to something that was scheduled for you know later that week to reassess. Them. We don't know. Well, but then it is odd to me, though, that it went all the way to March. You also get into, right, like, what did they tell the Raiders before he signed? Like, obviously, the Raiders did not know about this because once they found out, they changed his contract and had him get surgery. So, like, there is a whole other part of this that went right. on. That There's just a two-month window that doesn't make any sense. Somebody dropped the ball there, whether it's the Niners doctors, it's Jimmy refusing to go get to a doctor, to, which would be crazy, I would think, that his own team – you know, his agent stuff didn't say, hey, in February, let's go get your ankle looked at just to make sure it healed. Maybe he just didn't want to. Like, surgery might have fun. known. Maybe he did and found out he needs surgery and he purposely didn't get the surgery because, hey, if he gets surgery in February, there's no way he's going to get a free agent contract in March, right? But if he hides it and goes and negotiates a contract and then gets to the team physical and they go, Hey, something's wrong here. Well, they've already kind of made their decision that you're the guy and you can work right. on something. At that point, like, I mean, I guess the Raiders maybe could have tried to get out of it, but then what are they going to do for a right. quarterback? And it's Aiden O'Connell and Brian Hoyer. And yeah. Hey, hey, hey Carr, come back. Come back, please. <laughs> right. Hey, but uh, sorry, Derek, sorry. Um, that but, is so, a possibility, though. Jimmy might have known about it and purposely kind of just didn't bring it up so that he we, could get yeah. a team to be kind of pot committed. We don't know. We have no idea. Right. That's There's a lot of possibilities. It's just a weird, weird two-month window that something happened in there that that need, that I would love to have explained that will probably never be explained. You know what? I'm just glad I don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't have to worry about Jimmy Garoppolo anymore. I don't have to fret about his injury situation or care what his timeline is for coming back. <laughs> Not my problem. I got my own quarterback problems without adding old number 10 to that list that's going to do it for this edition of the show thanks everybody again for all your support we greatly appreciate it please like and subscribe to the youtube channel follow us uh rate review and follow the gold standard podcast network please 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 leave a review they help us get our star rating up which is a big big deal levin nice to talk to you on a thursday i hope you have a fantastic weekend i wish i could say the same thing that was me <laughs>